I'm Brendan McCormack, and welcome to the Perth FitFam podcast, where you get to hear from the best thought leaders and changemakers from across the Perth fitness scene. In today's episode, we catch up with Jackson Pios off the back of his recent article about supplements and the supplement industry. Jackson is currently completing his PhD in Nutrition Sciences at the University of Western Australia. He has a double major Bachelor of Science in Sports Science and Exercise and Health. He has also completed an honours degree in Exercise Physiology. In this episode, we talk about the supplement industry and how you can navigate beyond claims and marketing to cut through the hype made by supplement companies. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fit College Western Australia. Become fitness career fit with the leaders in fitness education and training here in Perth, Fit College. Study on campus at one of their three locations across Perth, 15 in Australia, as well as via the flexibility of the Manage Online course. Become a personal trainer and turn that passion for fitness into an amazing career opportunity. Mention Perth FitFam to save over $1,500 off your courses and receive free professional fitness insurance with your enrollment. All you got to do is head to fitcollege.edu.au forward slash Perth FitFam and download the course info pack for everything you need to know. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Healthy Power Meals. Healthy Power Meals is owned by professional athlete and mum of three, Vesna Spasevsky. Vesna has designed a range of fresh, that means 100% non-frozen meals using local organic produce from their farm located in Wanneroo, wherever possible. Healthy Power Meals are suitable for everybody. That means women, men, children, athletes, and families. They're nutritious and convenient, not to mention delicious. I uh, eat them myself. Grab-and-go meals, which can be tailored and customized to your needs and goals. To take the hassle out of your meal prep, head to healthypowermeals.com.au and enter the code PERFITFAM10 for your exclusive 10% PERFITFAM discount. And last but not least, the PERFITFAM podcast is brought to you by True Protein. True is unafraid to cut through the noise of an oversaturated market and break the mold to deliver authentic, all-natural products with genuine health benefits and none of the fake stuff. True Protein bucked the trend for expensive, overhyped, bad-tasting supplements and protein powders packed with false promises to reinvent the marketplace and create 100% natural, delicious quality supplements with no gimmicks, nothing artificial, and a completely transparent ingredient list. To shop for True Protein, head to trueprotein.com and use the code PERFITFAM10 for an exclusive PERFITFAM discount. True Protein can also be purchased from a local retailer right here in Perth. So if you'd like to find the closest retailer to you, feel free to send us a message and we'll point you in the right direction. That's all from our sponsors. We hope you enjoy the podcast. <sighs> all right, podcast, Perfect Fan Podcast number 33. We have Jackson Pios on. We're going to be talking about supplements off the back of an article that he's recently published, which gained a lot of, attra- uh, gained a lot of traction, gained a lot of interest, um, and I thought it would be a great chance to discuss with him, help educate you guys a bit more on supplementation. Um, just to give a bit of an introduction to myself before I hand over to to Jackson. So I've been in the industry for 16 years. I started when I was 18. Um, Started working in the industry when I was 18. I've worked for many, many supplement companies, which is where I spent the majority of my time. My first repping job was with the distributor of um, MuscleTech, BSN, back when they had Ronnie Coleman, um, Gaspari, when Gaspari was pumping. Um, I've worked for Body Science for I think about seven years in total and in there anything to do with um, obviously the sales side was most of it but the development of products back in the day 
even up to naming products. Um, I worked for NDA, which was a distributor who at the time distributed the pre-workout craze that people would remember, which got banned and was, was probably the most hardcore pre-workout, getting people stimmed up. Um, anything to now where I still work with True Protein and my reason for moving over to them, um, it, it, it's a little bit to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I just thought they were a very authentic brand, not overhyped, and they were a product that I could sell that I believed in, so I'm still with them today. Now, in regards to the article that was published, which was primarily targeting a specific supplement company, um, ATP Science. So to give um, my opinion, or, or I guess my position is, um, and I'm gonna give two sides of that. Um, so first of all, my take on the ATP marketing, um, I guess first of all came out in a, an article that they, sorry, a Facebook post that they posted in December 17, 2018 to do with their raw products. And sorry, that date is November 20th, 2016 when they were releasing their raw products. And inside of the post, um, uh, it, I'll, I'll quote, it says, as many of you are already aware, Matt and Jeff discuss these basic compounds on the podcast quite regularly and people are always asking us which brands are the best. And to be honest, we haven't been able to recommend another brand so far as there is a lot of rubbish out there on the shelves. So my issue with that is, I think it was slandering of the industry straight away. Um, I, I know that there are so many other brands out there that literally have the same ingredient that they use inside of their products. So using a blanket statement, uh, I guess directed at companies, um, I didn't feel like it was a very honest way to market to the uneducated consumer, especially being on the receiving end. Um, moving on to the no way body balance, um, and this is something that you touch about in your article, so I won't go into it too much. But it was pretty much the um, the study and the claims that they made versus versus weight. So the study on the Jolita website compares collagen versus a control, and I believe it's in is it males thirty five to sixty five? Yep. Yep. Who didn't train? Who started training? That then used a placebo, and the body balance product, which is what they use, and obviously they got better results with the body balance. And then on the packaging, they compared it to whey, which was. A completely different study, um, which I still don't believe has been published at this stage. Correct. Yep. Um, and so my issue with that was that that was used as a sales tool um, on the ground, again, to, I would say, misleading a consumer. Um, and, and for me, again, that's just another tick that I didn't think that that was very integrous. So that uh, was two flags. Um, and then finally, like just to touch on it, by this stage, I'd completely switched off. Um, really following and really getting into the brand. Um, but the recent product being the vegan essential aminos and much like the, the raw aminos, um, making a claim about how the aminos are made, um, which was a blanket statement. So uh, the non-vegan aminos are made from things like duck feathers, animal blood or animal skin. In some cases, the starting material may be a combination of these three, but you never know which one. This is, the, this is the comment which I have an issue with. Most manufacturers and supplement companies don't even consider this when they make their amino product as the product is based on average costings, not starting materials. So again, a blanket statement to an uneducated consumer would probably say, oh, well, pretty much most other companies are doing this when I know that there's many companies that already offer a vegan alternative. Again, um, 
uh, I, I, I know ones that, that already have that. Um, so I think my issue from a negative standpoint was the marketing tactic where it would be slandering a company or slandering the industry as a whole and then coming in as, as the savior, even if it's, it's taking a half truth and making it an absolute and then uh, coming in and I guess being the white knight, which don't get me wrong, was fantastic marketing. Um, on the on the other side of that, so that's 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 all the negative that I have to say. On the on the other side, I actually I know the owners, so I know Matt, I know Jeff. I catch up with Matt at Expos all the time. We always have great chats. He's an awesome bloke. I've had lunch with Jeff. Again, he's a great bloke. Mick Galley, um, who's just gone to America with him. Again, couldn't say a bad thing about him. Really great quality guys. Um, uh, the rep over here in WA is one of my best mates. Um, and again, so you can understand the bit of the conflict that you know, probably happens with the different beliefs and mm -hmm. with the marketing tactics. So from a personal level, love the guys, couldn't say anything nicer, but different to the business. So that's, I just wanted to set up so people kind of understand my position in it um, uh, going in. Um, but Jackson, I'm going to give you the floor now. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and you're a highly educated person. So tell us about your studies and your field of studies. Yep. So I am currently completing my PhD at the University of Western Australia. Um, I'm studying nutritional sciences. A um, little bit of background on me. I've got a double major, um, Bachelor of Science in Sports Science and Exercise and Health. Um, I did really well in those studies. So that was... It, that awarded me some scholarship funding to then complete my honours degree, um, and that was in exercise physiology. Um, graduated with first class um, in that degree, um, and then the university then offered me a scholarship position to complete my PhD, and, and, and that's where I am today. And I'm, I'm about halfway through my PhD at the moment. Um, and some of the specifics of, of my studies um, in terms of the PhD is um, I'm looking at a couple of different weight loss strategies um, for athletes, specifically diet manipulations, um, and testing something um, which most of you guys would be familiar with, which is diet breaks. Um, yep. And essentially all a diet break is, is sort of a period, an intermittent period during the diet where sort of you put the brakes on, you increase calories a little bit to reset the system, recharge the batteries, um, have a little weight maintenance phase before going back into another period of dieting um, because there is some early evidence um, that that this me method of dieting in contrast to sort of your conventional, traditional, continuous dieting approach um, could be a little bit better, but this is still a really um, new area of research. Now, you're a bodybuilder yourself, because I believe that I've actually seen you on stage, I think, at last year's Josh Lenardowitz Classic. Correct. Men's bikini division. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> now, I know that some of the guys actually use diet breaks. Um, uh, so, Demi Killip, you'll know from Flex Success. You've mm -hmm. probably seen him on the forums and whatnot. Mm -hmm. A really good bodybuilder. So, I know that his guys use it, and they're very evidence-based guys. So, that the principle that you're studying at the moment, that's not proven to work. That's still a theory at the moment. Correct. It, there's, there's a pretty sound theoretical rationale. Um, meaning we have a few ideas um, for why we think diet breaks might be beneficial. Um, but in terms of where the research stands in terms of diet breaks or refeeds, um, to date, we've currently had one single study, which have, hasn't even been published yet. It was only completed late last year, so it'll be published in the next few months. Um, but we've had one study um, on athletes which has tested diet breaks or refeeds. So before sort of the second half of last year, we had nothing. Um, we are sort of just going off guesswork. So yeah, it... it I'd, wouldn't be able to say that it's an evidence-based practice just yet. We've got we've got some pretty strong anecdote and some decent case studies, um, but in terms of sort of well-controlled scientific sort of research, randomised controlled trials and things like that, which is high-grade evidence, um, we we just don't have those yet. Now, to clear things up, 
because I'm not an educated person like you. I've never been to uni, so I'm a bit of a, as Joe Rogan would say, I'm a bit of a chimp. Um, at what point in time do you have enough evidence to say, yes, this is an evidence, this is an evidence-based approach to something? That's a super tough question. Um, because pretty much you read any sort of randomised controlled trial, whether it's in nutrition, whether it's in supplements, whether it's in training, um, there's always a section sort of at at the end of the paper that sits just after the, the discussion which talks of sort of areas of future research. So there's never, I've, I don't think I've ever come across a paper which has said, okay, that we've shut the door on, on this supplement or, 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 or this dieting approach. There's always, there's always sort of room for sort of to progress our knowledge and to manipulate some of the small variables to sort of increase how much we know about something. Something. Um, so it's it's hard to give a figure. It's hard to be like, okay, twenty studies is a, is a, is a, is a good enough to say, okay, this works. Um, but in terms of the diet breaks itself, um, the, the study that I'm running at the moment um, is a is a very well controlled study, and it's the biggest athlete dieting study that's ever happened in Australia. Like it costs a ton of money. We're getting a ton of athletes, um, and we're controlling every variable that we can to really make sure that when the when we get to those conclusions and when we, when we get to those final statements, we can we can say them with quite a lot of confidence um, mm. that sort of what we found is probably a true reflection of what's going on. So what you said um, about the doors never shut on science. Let's come back to that later, because. Um, that could be that could be a cool topic to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to the article for a second, just to set up for people. So you recently published the article. Um, it's gained a lot of traction, um, just about the supplement industry mm-hmm. in general. Um, why why did you publish the article? Um, why did you feel that's important for consumers to know? Mm. So do you want, actually do you want to speak about the article a little bit first, and then then why it's important? Yeah. So so the article like. <laughs> A lot of the guys sort of w- would look at this article and see it as sort of a, a very sort of harsh target at ATP um, mm. specifically, and that, that's really not what I was, what I was going for. Um, like I am a scientist, um, and so if you speak to any scientist, um, one of their biggest sort of things that bother them is, is this thing called pseudoscience, um, which is essentially something that impersonates science. It looks look, looks like science, um, but it's not really that, not really that. Um, now the problem with sort of pseudoscience is for the average consumer who's buying supplements or sort of the average person who's reading a claim that doesn't have a sort of a bachelor's degree in science or something like that, it can be very difficult for them to discriminate between sort of facts from fi- fiction or, or science from pseudoscience. Now. Um, I, I don't. I didn't know a ton about ATP um, mm. itself. I, I certainly don't know anything about the guys at the top. This was so. I was solely sort of just um, directing my my arguments towards the claims coming out of the business. I, I don't know who was making them. This was just solely a, a business target. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a, f- a few people had come to me and sort of sent me this product and so so what do you what do you think about this should I should I take this and and, and on first glance of some of the claims um, I was already a little bit skeptical um, mm-hmm. just just from a logical but sort of just from sort of six seven years of sort of higher degree education in nutritional sciences a lot of these statements didn't really make logical sense um, and then when I started to dig in a little bit further and actually look at some of the the, the research specifics I found that okay it, it really doesn't make sense and mm-hmm. and some of their claims um, a bordering on, um, I, 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 they're exaggerating significantly. Um, they're gross exaggerations of, of where the evidence stands on, on some of these supplements. Now, um, 
So going back to sort of the average consumer who's buying supplements, who, who goes on ATP's website and they might see a claim and, and it sounds really good, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they, get, they get bought into it because a lot of people, like changing, adjusting body composition is not an easy task and mm-hmm. sometimes people become so frustrated um, with their efforts when they're not getting results they want, um, they start to look for those supplements that might be able to sort of be the answer, the thing that they, that they didn't have that was holding them back from getting the results That's that they wanted. bullet, hey. Yeah. Um, and so... It w- like it w- really was not. Um, I, I didn't want to target ATP specifically, but I knew that there was a lot of si- pseudoscience going into the su- in the supplement arena specifically. Yeah. And I thought a pretty if I was going to speak up about some of the pseudoscience um, that's going on in this industry, a pretty good place to start is probably the c- the company that's voted Australia's best supplement. Um, company of the year yeah. um, for I think a couple of years running it, I believe. They've been killing it for a yeah, while. Now. Be, you know what? Should... I take my hat off to them. They really innovated. Yeah, whether mm. that's like like um, taking out the pseudo from a, from an actual just an industry point of view. Yeah, um, they were very very innovative with their approach mm. to the industry. I, I actually say this in my article. I said, um, please don't take this article as me saying that ATP is not unintel- is unintelligent because these guys are extremely intelligent at what they do. Yeah, I just disagree with sort of some of the their sort of their scientific um, background and some of the scientific basis behind the, the claims that they're making. But in terms of sort of um, how to run a business, how to market their products and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that, um, and how to how to sort of get consumer buy-in, they're extremely, they're, they're one of the best that I've ever seen um, at doing these sort of things. Um, but yeah, so th- the point of the article was sort of, I wanted to sort of at least encourage the consumers to have some sort of critical thinking um, when it comes to supplements, whether it's sort of fad diets, anything really. Um, so when they hear sort of a claim that says, okay, this is going to give you some some extraordinary um, fat loss or extraordinary um, muscle gain, don't don't just take it on first value. Don't just accept it and understand that sort of um, just because someone's saying something, like their their primary agenda is not to help you. That as sad as it sounds, their primary agenda is not to help you. It is to make money. Um, if their primary agenda was not to make money, then they, they wouldn't be having these crazy markups on, on their products. Like if I just want to specifically target like an ATP creatine monohydrate, which is a very basic and effective product, has around a 30% higher markup on the average creatine monohydrate in other supplement companies. Now, that's, it's, it's, I'd be very hard pressed for them to make the argument that their creatine monohydrate is better because it's a very simple sort of chemical structure, very simple, simple to make. Um, it's not a very complex um, nutritional supplement, um, but their markups are still huge. So that, that already tells me that, that, that they're in this business to make money. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wanted to encourage the, the consumers to, to sort of be critical when they're thinking and not accept sort of every claim that a supplement company is making because what we need to remember is that any extraordinary claim, so something that sounds really good, requires extraordinary evidence. Um, yeah. And the per- the burden of proof lies on the person making the claim. So I wanted to sort of highlight that if ATP is making these extraordinary claims, they should sure of hell want to have a really solid evidence backing um, for what they're saying. And I think I critically sort of went into some of those products and, and showed that sort of the, a lot of their evidence behind some of their statements was probably weak at best. Yeah. Um, on that note as well, I, I mentioned Dean Mickelet before. I'll just mention him again. Um, so in one of the uh, one of the Facebook groups, what you said is exactly what he said, that um, it wasn't a call out so much, but just asking for, hey, we, we, you know, we, we want some evidence, which basically um, is the responsibility of the person making the claims, not mm. the responsibility of you. Mm. It's you're, you're more in your right to ask those claims. Also to 
take a bit of the light, take a bit of the uh, the spotlight off ATP. I know that you commented on an Instagram post which made me laugh, um, saying that uh, you you know when you were sixteen you used, you know had a few tons of Celtec. I, mm. I was the same. I worked with the company. I think I was sixteen exactly when I got my first couple mm. of tons of Celtec on. I can't even say it to make me look like Jay Cutler because this is before the days of Jay Cutler. Mm. Um, but I was like, oh, this is going to do this. I'm going to look mm. like them. Or then I remember my first cutting, the first time I, I, I tried to cut and I used hydroxycut back in the day and I followed a diet outside of Muscle Mag. And of course, I, you know, where did the results come from? Did they come from because I stuck mm. to a diet that I got over a magazine or because... Mm. Exactly. Well, what we need to remember is, is that people don't know what they haven't been taught, right? So Correct. I'll never make fun of, of someone taking ATP product for, because most of the time they just haven't been provided with the educational information to be able to sort of make a rational decision of, of what's effective or whether their claims are true or not. They just don't know. Yes. Now, I did take Celtec when I was 16 because I didn't know any better, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that should be a sort of a mark against someone's sort of a mark on their score because they just didn't know any better at the time. Um, another example is I, I took BCAs up until I was about 20 mm-hmm. um, because the research showed that sort of BCAs, specifically the leucine, was sort of pretty effective at, at sort of stimulating MPS versus other amino acids. And it wasn't until sort of a couple of years later that we showed, okay, BCA is probably not that effective anymore. And I stopped. So yeah. like a, a sign of a good scientist and a good educated mind is sort of when you research presents itself you you sort of you adapt your opinion you adapt your methods you don't become romantic with what you did before you don't hang on to these things before if if new evidence presents itself i'll be the first one to sort of move move forward and, and sort of change my ways um so yeah yeah that's actually really really good to know I and mean, it's a good insight because lane you do quite a bit with lane so lane's very well respected um and his phd was on leucine wasn't it correct yeah so he had a lot to do with branch chains um like you said he was extend but that was years ago yeah, he, he was looking at different protein sources and their, their effect on MPS in rats. Yeah. Um, now, from a supplement industry point of view, obviously to release the article because you, you obviously know that there's issues out there. So from your point of view, what do you think some of the biggest issues in the supplement industry are at the moment? I think most of it probably comes down to sort of um, unregulation in, in its basic sense. Um, there, there's companies just really aren't getting checked um, on firstly what's in their products. Um, we, we had a study, pu- I didn't have a study, there was a study published um, last month, it was actually only a couple of weeks ago, um, which looked at sort of some of the highest um, or the the most sold vitamin companies like Nature's Best was in there, a few other big ones. And they showed that sort of in terms of the label towards compared to sort of what these scientists were sort of analysing and what they were detecting, um, the amounts on the label versus what they were picking up were in the range of some, sometimes 80% more, 80% less than, what, than what's saying on the, on the label. Now, that's just outrageous. And, and, and supplement companies can get away with that because um, there isn't a whole lot of third-party testing going on. Um, us as a consumer just are, are supposed to believe um, that, that what's on the label is, is what, what we're getting. So unregulation is, is one of the biggest issues because, number one, we're, we're not, we, we don't have guarantees that, that sort of what's in the product, what they're saying is in the product is what we're getting. Um, and number two, companies sort of there isn't sort of an agency or an organization that can sort of um, legislate against sort of these supplement companies making outlandish claims um, based on zero to no to sort of weak science isn't that that's what the TGA and food standards are there to do though in Australia right but still like I, I I don't know if it's specifically Australian supplements but I look on the back of 
of, of I'd say, 95% supplements. And, and, and the, the key statements always at the bottom is that these statements haven't been regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, FDA. So, mm. um, again, my experience in, um, I guess, experience in the supplement industry. So when you have um, an American product, when it gets imported through, the, com- the label should be completely changed. So you actually can't make claims on something unless TGA has approved that claim on a certain ingredient. So you'll always see like an Oztil number um, on the bottom of an Australian product and they can make so, so green tea, you're allowed to make certain claims for zinc, you're allowed to make certain claims for. So when someone builds, let's say, a test booster, TGA have approved you to make certain claims on Tribulus They've appro- for certain amounts. That, you know, so that's, that's a, I, I don't know, from a testing well, afterwards. That, that's, that that's interesting because ATP, which is an Australian brand, they're, they're still doing these proprietary blends where we have no idea what, how, what are the amounts that of the product of the actual active ingredients that are in the product. Which is an interesting one, yeah. So um, uh, I know they're capsulated, well, their other products don't need to, but their capsules don't go through TTA, so I don't know the loophole and how that's still going through, but yeah, you're right. So they're coming through as a food product, yet being manufactured in Australia. Mm. So I'm not I'm not too sure. That yeah, might, they might be able to fill us in on that one. Yeah, yeah they, they definitely might be able to fill us in on that one. Um, so with the article, um, and I guess educating people, but what are you trying to achieve or, or for you, how, what would improve the industry or what would be the ideal outcome for you for a consumer? Um, I think sort of ju- just looking at some of the feedback that I've had on the post and where it's been shared and sort of some of the people that are commenting on it, it, it gives me the impression that sort of a lot of consumers have been scared to speak up sort of against these massive sort of multi-million dollar corpora- corporations. Um, and what I'm hoping for is, is with this article that's sort of been the first sort of legitimate evidence-based sort of counter-argument to these companies. It's, um, what I'm hoping for is that people can see this as sort of, okay, okay, like um, they aren't bulletproof. Like we, we're, we're, we're allowed to speak up and we're, yeah. allowed to, we're allowed to challenge these claims um, that these companies are making. So what I'm hoping is that c- consumers will get a little bit more confident if, if something sort of doesn't make sense or if they hear an ex- extraordinary claim, maybe just ask, say, do you have some evidence to support the claim that you're making yeah. um, and not just take everything on face value? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, I don't know anyone who's actually tested a product, even just on themselves. So I don't know anyone who's tested a product. Uh, actually, Joe Mensel, I think I did one, but um, he's used a test booster, um, tested their hormones before, and tested their hormones after to say, oh, this product actually backed up the claims. Mm. I, w- I would like to see people do that. Yeah, like th- that's the problem with these proprietary blend ingredients. So, like, w- if you looked at the sort of the article with ATP, and when I sort of analysed some of these um, the products themselves, you can't really analyze the product itself because there's six active ingredients in there, mm-hmm. right? So you have to you have to look for the research on the individual um, active ingredients itself. Now, it's very unlikely that ATP have stumbled upon this six ingredient blend that's causing some magical synergy, and that it's going to that, that these ingredients and combination is going to work so much better than sort of the individual ingredients themselves um, but so so what we do have to do, we have to go and look at the individual that the science on the individual active ingredients themselves um, and if if it's weak and if, if it's speculative and um, if 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 we can't with confidence that say that this active ingredient um, is going to provide some benefit then I don't think um, supplement companies should be able to say okay well we're going to put some of it in our product and this product is going to do all those things yeah. Um, is there a way, if someone wanted to test out for themselves, what would be your advice? If they wanted to use it and say, I just want to give this thing a crack for myself, what would be your advice? 
it's it's a tough one because I, I mentioned this in the argument that for 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 the guy for the people who don't have sort of a bachelor's degree, um, they really just don't have um, sort of the time or resources to sort of do a PubMed check on these seven ingredients that are in their proprietary blend um, or whatnot. So I would I would say number one, if you want to be the if you want to be the most evidence based approach, you shouldn't even be looking for products that have blends with them anyway. Sure. You, you should be taking products that have you should be taking the product itself. So whether it's creatine monohydrate, mm -hmm. whether it's fish oil, whether it's whey protein, um, if you want to look at some more of those sort of outer edge supplements, caffeine, citrulline, carnitine, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but all those, they're, they're single products itself. You don't need to be taking blends. Um, and if, if you're taking a blend, most likely the active ingredient is underdosed. Um, you're, getting in, you're getting extra ingredients in there that are doing nothing, and it's probably a whole lot more marked up than if you just bought the individual ingredients in their own capacity. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. Um, and classic pre-workout. Put in, put the stims in there. Underdose everything, mm. every, every, everything mm. else which is in there. And it's only really the caffeine working, which is cheap as hell anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's actually really, really good advice. And I want to touch on later the products that you do recommend using. So we'll come back to that. Now, if I was to play devil's advocate, um, you're not religious, religious at all, are you? Okay, I didn't assume so. Um, so if you had a religion or a belief system, and in a positive way that held a civilization together based on a belief system, being charitable, moral ethics, whatever you want, whatever you want to say, let's look at the good stuff without going into like wars and things like that. But it held a specific society together and you could disprove that through science. But that belief system caused a lot of positive change. Would you say that's a good thing or a bad thing? See, I, I'm, I may be biased because I'm a scientist, but I I've always will go in favour of sort of the pursuit of knowledge and whether yeah. whether something is going to have a direct positive effect or perhaps some negative effect. Mm -hmm. um, I always think as a society we're better off knowing more. If that makes if that answers the question. So, yeah. um, if I could disprove it by something through science, and perhaps it had a negative effect on the civilization, but now we know more as a result of it, I'd probably lean that way. Yep, pursuit of knowledge. That's a fair answer. So, if then if we look from a supplement point of view, because I I, I always try and play devil advocate. Like, I always try and be so empathetic to everyone and try and get the point of views. So, if we can prove a product wrong, and I I often question this. But that thing inspires someone to take action. So for me, it was hydroxycarb when I was younger. Celtech, whatever you want to call it. And then, actually, I'll use a story. So my dad wanted to lose a bit of weight. My dad's not fat, but he was drinking wine and eating too much cheese and stuff, and he got a little bit fat. And I was working at a sub store and fully believed that this fat burner was going to work. And Lean System 7 was the fat burner at the time that we saw lots of. So I got in Lean System 7. And of course, I gave him a diet to go with it. And he was so keen, he wanted to lose fat. So he had the motivation to do it. So of course, he stuck to the diet, just had one cheat a week and um, you know, took the Lean System 7 and he lost weight over maybe like a 10 or 12 week period. But because he didn't make sustainable lifestyle choices, afterwards, he just fell back into old habits, didn't gain all the weight, but started to gain a bit more weight. And his first thing that he came back to me was, can you get me more of that Lean System 7? Mm. <laughs> So I debate myself for this internally. If these tribes or these belief systems cause people to then go and be more fitter and more active, 
and I think the word you use was cognitive bias, or for simpletons like me, cause a placebo. Is it a good thing or not? See, I, th I think with, a with some of ATP products, um, the benefit that some people are reporting is, a, is indeed a placebo. And I, and I only say that because on critical evaluation of the active ingredients, there's just no science or evidence to show that they're actually going to do anything sort of measurable or, or worthwhile. So I do think that some of the benefits some people are reporting in not all of the products, but some of the ATP products is, is probably a placebo. Now, the, the argument then comes, well, if someone feels better, why don't they just keep doing it? And, and that's fine, but... I would rather say, well, if I give the people the information, the education that, that perhaps these products sort of are not doing what they say they that they're doing, the person says, okay, so maybe it was a placebo, and then they maybe look for something else, a more evidence-based product or something like that. It saves them a ton of money. Um, and like the, the, the people, the, the placebo is essentially the definition is sort of the attached belief that something does something or the mm. attached belief that something works. So yeah, you've got to have the belief. If, if you give someone the education and, and, and the information about the product, all of a sudden they don't have that belief anymore and they don't think it works. So mm -hmm. um, I don't think that they'd, they'd feel better anymore taking the product because now that now they're more educated, they, they understand sort of the, tr the true value of the product they're taking. So yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, but I'd, I, like, like I said before, as a, as a scientist, I'm always in favour of, of the pursuit of knowledge and, and I'd prefer to sort of educate people, um, make them aware of what they're taking and make them be aware of their, 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 their decisions and, the, and their evaluations and, and then hopefully that, that they're able to make sort of um, more educated actions in, in the future. Yeah, I think that's important. One thing um, that I wanted to touch on, Jewy um, diets and hoping that there's a silver bullet out there and there's an there's an answer to trying to reach your goals easy. So two years ago, I went through 12 months of extreme dieting um, where I had a, a control, so just a basic diet, um, which I did for three months. Um, I did keto for three months, like proper in ketosis for three months. I did vegan for three months and I did macros for three months. And prior to that, I went in with really high expectations that if I did keto, I was going to have better cognitive function. I was going to have lower inflammation. That I was going to get these drastic results that these diets claimed. So before, during, and after each one, I'd have a DEXA scan, get my blood test, VO2 max test, resting metabolic rate. And I did that throughout every single diet. And I got to the end and it was a bit of an anticlimax for me. Because I was hoping to kind of dispel this is, you know, this is what you get from each diet. But essentially... If I wanted to change my body composition, so if I wanted to lose was fat, I'd be in a deficit. I'd change my calories. Every single diet would have worked, provided that I did that. If I wanted to build more lean muscle tissue, I needed to create a stimulus and have sufficient protein to do that. Every diet would have worked if I did that. If I wanted to improve my fitness, I needed to have a positive adaptation through training. If I did that, my VO2 max would go up. If I didn't, my VO2 max would go down. There was no silver bullet. And I got to the end of it and I said, guys, like everyone asked what was the best diet. I said, you can get a result of everyone. Mm. That's it. Mm. It was just basic sports science. Yep. Yeah. That's what, that's what people need to understand is, is number one, if you're trying to sort of improve your body composition, um, whether it's losing fat or gaining muscle, first point of call is establish a caloric surplus or, or a caloric deficit mm. and then make sure you're getting a, a, a higher protein intake, slightly higher if, if you're sort of trying to lose fat. And apart from that, in terms of carbohydrates and, and, and fat ratios, um, 
sort of just go to a to sort of an approach that suits your lifestyle and your preferences and then that's sort mm-hmm. of going to be the most sustainable and enjoyable approach that you can have to adjusting body comp yeah it's you know what you could just summarize it like that mm. it's it's so easy and taking that approach into supplementation i think is important too mm. so a question have you ever used any of the atp products no is there a way that we could test if we got a group of people to do tests just um uh, to use a product is there a way to be able to test them or a way that they can prove their claims I would be happy to run a randomized control trial for ATP on any of their products with the assumption that they're funding it. I'll, have, I'll, run, I'll run it out of my lab, no problem. Awesome, cool. So the opportunity is there. Now, let's give people something cool to take away, so some good information. What products do you use yourself or recommend people use who are training? So we're talking bodybuilding, CrossFit, we're talking strength training or fitness enthusiasts yeah see see this answer is often kind of underwhelming um for most people so i work work as a sports nutritionist and um when you're working with athletes um there's there's sort of this um dissonance where an an athlete assumes that if something's more complex or something's more advanced then it's better Mm Um, and if we take that into the context of supplements, that would mean sort of if someone's taking more supplements and more exotic supplements, it's probably going to be pro- providing a performance edge. Now, yeah. that is that that's, that we now know that, that that's not the case. Um, so when athletes come to me and I, I, I sort of give them their, their basic supplement protocol, and they, they say, "Oh, well, is that this it?" Mm-hmm. And I say, "Yeah." Like like in terms of the evidence based um, list of supplements that we have, um, that we know of, and, and this is coming straight from the sort of International Olympic Committee who yep. get the smartest guys around the world um, and they review the supplements and they say what works, what, what doesn't work and w- what might work, essentially what, yep. what they is say. Is this what AIS use as well? Um, yeah, big time. Yeah. So I'll give people the link to what Jackson's talking about now because I, I follow that too and I think it's really important yeah. that people see it. Yeah, and it's, and it's a very short list. So... In, more often than not, when I have an athlete that comes to me, um, almost all of them, male or female, will be taking um, creatine monohydrate, um, and that may come out whether that for a weight, um, a weight limited sport. Um, most guys will be taking um, fish oil or omega three if they're not getting much fish in their diet. Um, most guys will be taking sort of some sort of protein supplement or whey protein if they find it difficult to hit their sort of um, daily targets for protein mm-hmm. through sort of meats, eggs, and, um, and dairy. Um, most guys will be taking caffeine, um, and that, that's that's pretty standard across all sports and for physique athletes as well. Um, somewhere between three to six milligrams per kilo um, before their session, most guys will be taking. Um, and Whoa, apart from that, six, this is six. Six milligrams. Correct. If you're a hundred kilo guy, six hundred megs. Damn. Yeah, that, that's what that's what we're taking. Yep. Um, and there's some really cool research on caffeine coming out that shows sort of because this whole thing is sort of that people like to talk about is this caffeine dependency or, or caffeine resistance and things like that. And that if you take caffeine for a while, you stop getting benefits from it. Mm. And what the new research shows is even if you don't feel the effects of caffeine as much as you did sort of six weeks ago, you're still getting the same performance improvement. So mm. uh, we, we use caffeine pretty pretty heavily, pretty constantly through, through most of the training season. Um, but in terms of the list of supplements, that's as pretty much as far as it goes. Yep. Um, now, from a caffeine point of view, what's the benefits besides um, focus and mental alertness? Um, so it's uh, what happens. It's an antagonist on the adenosine receptor, mm. um, and one of the key advantages um, when you block off that receptor is, is 
you get an increased output through through muscle fibers. So that can be essentially what happens is that that can be a, a short-term, high-intensity um, effort improvement. So whether that's lifting weights, sort of these sort of lower rep strength training Olympic lifts, great for those guys. Um, great for for sprinters or even team sport athletes like footy players who are sort of doing these short high 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 intensity intermittent sprints sort of every couple of minutes or things like that so um essentially it, it it's helps with sort of output at, at the at the muscle fiber level as well as the um sort of the cognitive benefits which most people are familiar with yep and then with creatine you said that you cut that out if it's a weight restrictive sport and that's because creatine holds fluid. correct yeah fluid it's just retention. it's just unnecessary weight that that sort of if if an athlete's tight on their weight limit and we're pushing them pretty hard to sort of make weight um it's sort of just excess weight that we probably don't need yeah yep um other products that are recommended by other dietitian nutrition coaches um zinc magnesium i i just wrote a, i just wrote a um post on on, <laughs> on magnesium um the other day the study was only published last month and what they showed is this was specifically for magnesium um but what they showed was um for the elderly and alcoholics mm-hmm. um who are chronically low in magnesium there is a there is a benefit to to, to to supplementing with magnesium because we know that sort of magnesium has a, a beneficial effect on muscle fitness um, mm. so with that in mind people think okay everyone needs to be taking magnesium right but for what they showed is when they gave magnesium um, to athletes and lean people there was actually no improvement to muscle fitness whatsoever so mm. my, my stance and, and I, I'd say that this probably holds true for, for a lot of supplements whether that's glutamine zinc magnesium unless you're deficient in it there's probably not going to be any um, benefit to sort of supplementing and, and with zinc and magnesium and glutamine like glutamine you're only going to be really deficient if you've sort of had gone through some trauma or, or sort of burns victims guys like that that, sure. that, 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 that have chronically low glutamine levels um, but in terms of athletes it's it's quite it, as long as they're getting a fairly balanced diet with mostly sort of plant-based with with meat as well um, it's pretty hard pretty hard to be sort of deficient in, in zinc and magnesium in, 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 unless you're very calorically deprived. So then from uh, talking about being deficient, two things. So first of all, um, multivitamins and making sure that you get a, uh, your range of vitamins and minerals. Generally, do people get this through their diet or is it good to use um, like a broad spectrum multi? Usually I'll only advise a multivitamin um, for an athlete if sort of if we're making weight or we're going through a weight loss phase uh, sure. because it's, it's more likely then j- just purely from maybe they've gone from 3,500 calories down to 2,500 calories. There's, there's just a vitamin and micronutrient loss just from that caloric reduction itself. Yep. Um, so it's sort of a cover-all basis in that situation where calories are low, it's, it's more likely that you might be getting your full intakes. Then my follow-up to that was working out your deficiencies. Um, do you advise people go get blood tests? If they can, yeah. Uh, is there any hurdle to getting blood tests? Um, they, they can be. Um, we've... Through the university, um, we've got a relationship with iMedical. Um, sure. So essentially, um, it's a, a fairly seamless way to, to get scripts for blood tests. Um, and I've found that sort of with working with athletes and doctors, if you're just honest with them and you tell them you, you just want to make sure that things are healthy and, and just, you're honest with the doctor, you tell them what you want it for, most doctors are pretty, pretty reasonable and, and they'll, they'll help you out. Yeah, awesome. Jackson, that's cool. You've given us some really good information. Is there anything else that you wanted to add and let people know? Um, no, just if anyone wants to chat more about the ATP stuff or 
Um, anyone wants to counter some of my arguments, if they dis disagree with them, you can you know, hit me up on, on Jackson Pios at, on, on Instagram. That's awesome. Jackson, we'll tag you in. We'll put the article in. We'll put the link in for the AIS recommended supplements. And um, oh yeah, I'll see you there, man. Thanks cool, man. On. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. That's a wrap for today's episode. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you head to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And remember to keep on tagging us in your Instagram stories. We'd love to see screenshots of you guys listening to the podcast. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Perth Fitness in to come.